How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money and broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-hmm. Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. We are in the final week of the regular season. You might be wrapping up. Your fantasy season, if you do play the final week, if not, you just finished up last week like we are, and now it is just time to get ready for the postseason, and there are a lot of races still up for grabs right now. Dusty, how are you doing tonight, and what are you drinking? Yeah, uh, man, baseball down the stretch, always the best. The final week of the season is uh, always a crazy one. I'll never forget when the Tampa Bay Rays had that crazy run. Um, where they uh, they had Longoria hit a walk off home run at the same time that you know the Red Sox had had uh, obviously gotten out and it's just this is the best time of the year in my opinion when uh, playoff baseball is just around the corner um, you know every team that is obviously getting their chance to punch their ticket into October uh, every team has hope that they can you know make it through that stretch through October uh, in fact actually looking ahead. The World Series could run through November as well uh, this upcoming season. So excited to see what is going to happen. I think this is a really interesting year just because so many teams have a chance, in my opinion. Uh, there's not one clear-cut uh, front runner that seems like they'll capture the, the title necessarily, and we'll get into more of that later. But um, what this season is really doing to me is it's giving me a bit of a mind haze. Uh, why do I say that? Because that's what I'm drinking. So, uh, the mind haze is an IPA from Firestone Walker. Um, it's, uh, obviously that's the 805 company, um, that I had been drinking from, uh, from Paso Robles. This is a 6.2% alcohol volume. So, uh, I'm excited for this one. They consider this to be in uh, a hazy India pale ale. So, um, I'm excited to try this one. I might have tried this in the past. Uh, I don't believe it was on the show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've used or drank quite a few Firestone uh, Walker drinks, but uh, excited about this one. What are you drinking? So I am drinking a unique beverage. Um, I made a alcoholic milkshake. Uh, we've got Ooh. some. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get it out, though. It's a little too thick. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, there's a bunch of ice cream in here. I put some chocolate pudding in there to give it a little chocolate flavor because there's vanilla ice cream. I um, like it. And then Kahlua, a bunch of Kahlua in there to give it the alcoholic kind of coffee taste. And then a little bit of vodka. Not enough that you're really tasting it, but enough vodka to get it uh, maybe a little more uh, alcoholic. So uh, I'm excited to taste this. Yeah, I'm actually curious, curious to hear how that is because the pudding is what's interesting to me. Like whenever I make a... Uh, you know, a spiked milkshake, it's usually like Hershey's chocolate, uh, what, chocolate sauce that I use. Um, pudding is an interesting one. How's the texture of that? I will tell you in just a moment. And while I am trying to get this ice cream out, why don't you do the um, stat of the week? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, as Derek struggles to get his milkshake thing out of here. Well, our stat of the week, uh, September the 30th of 2003, on the first day of the postseason, Good old Kerry Wood. He was Shohei Otani to help the Cubs beat the Braves 4-2. to two. He went seven and a third innings pitch. He gave up two earned runs, two hits, five walks, had 11 strikeouts uh, because, of course, Kerry Wood was a strikeout machine. Three of them against uh, good old Rafael Fercal, who was one of my childhood favorites growing up. He obviously got the win as well in that matchup. 
Uh, he also went two and four or two for four with the bat. Uh, had a double, two runs driven in, and a run scored, thus the Shohei Otani side of things. He did it both on the mound and at the plate as well. We might see somebody in the postseason coming up uh, that could do it both ways. I can tell you right now it's not going to be Max Scherzer, though, because Scherzer is the most hopeless pitcher I've ever seen at the plate while he makes other hitters look hopeless at the plate. Okay, so first of all, this milkshake is absolutely delicious. Love it. And... Um, texturally it's a little too thick for right now but eventually it'll i don't know melt a little bit and then it'll be even better um second of all i'm looking forward to i know who you're referring there albert pujols is going to pitch in the postseason <laughs> i can't wait to see uh good old uncle tio get out there on the hill when it's the uh the bottom of the 15th inning where Dave Roberts already has gone through every single one of his pitchers by the 10th inning. Can't wait to see that happen. Um, yeah, it feels almost inevitable that something ridiculous is going to happen uh, if the Dodgers and Giants, for the first time truly ever, meet in the postseason. And uh, I would expect Uncle Tio to be the guy, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's get into some playoff races still up for grabs. Right now, it's pretty much the NL West, the NL East, and the AL wildcard spots that are the ones that are up for grabs and we'll start with the NL West um, right now the tiebreaker scenario if the two end up tied would be a game 163 at Oracle Park and um, that's because the Giants have the regular season head-to-head -head. as of recording the Giants have a two-game lead on the Dodgers with five games to go uh, but right now I just I, I'm still to a point where if the Giants hold off the Dodgers I'm still going to be surprised I, I don't know. I, I think that this is the Giants' pretty much opportunity here to, to win out, and I, I could really see them do that. The Giants have had this crazy magic this year where they've just found they, – they found ways to win. Um, you know, out where I live in San Luis Obispo, I, I call the Dodgers and Giants highlights every weekend. And I, I find myself constantly saying the same thing over and over every weekend, which is the Giants, here are their highlights – and then by the end of it, I say, once again, they find another way to win. I, I mean, I've never seen a team just find ways to win the way that they have. It's never always pretty, but they find ways to win. And that's really all that it matters. Uh, and I think that uh, based off the stretch that the, the Giants have in these last few games at the time of recording versus the Dodgers, um, I think that the Giants have a very favorable opportunity here i mean yeah i would i would disagree with that though because you're talking about the padres in the last three um and the padres are kind of a mess right now but that's who the dodgers are playing so that's even and then like i get it on paper the diamondbacks aren't good but you have the madison bumgarner revenge game coming on <laughs> thursday it, no seriously it'll be his first game pitching at oracle oracle park since leaving the team and the Dodgers, meanwhile, are going to be playing the Brewers, who have nothing to play for, and have right. already announced that Brandon Woodruff's not going to be pitching. Um, I forget who's going to pitch Sunday. I think they're, uh, but they're not going to actually try in those games. So I, I don't think that necessarily one team has a schedule advantage over the other. I, I think they're both about even. This, the thing about this is that, um, I just, I think the Giants are favored in every game from this point on, right? And so, um, when, when you look at it, the Giants can still lose a game. The Dodgers would have to win out, and the Giants still clinch, right? And so to see the Dodgers win out and the Giants losing two games, I have a hard time seeing that happen. I could see the Dodgers winning out. I, I really could. I, I think that they're, they're a good enough team to do that against these teams. I think that they could sweep the Padres. And yeah, you mentioned the, the, the Brewers series is not going to be what you would see in the postseason, right? Like, I just don't see that happening. But I also don't see the Giants losing two games uh, down the stretch, especially knowing what's at stake. Um, I will say the Brandon Belt injury is a lot more significant than people probably realize. He's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, and him going down at this time is really not uh, good juju for that squad. But uh, knowing the Giants, I mean, they still have, at that team at least, it's the next man up. And so... I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing a game 163 happening. Uh, to me, I think the Giants have done done their job, really. Um, and ultimately, it will not shock me uh, if the Giants end up clinching uh, in the normal 162 format. You know, it's funny, too. The Giants this year, their first base position, so the combination of everybody who's played, Darren Ruff, Brandon Belt, so forth, 
They have the most home runs of any position. So the Giants have gotten more home runs out of first base than any other position in the MLB. Like Salvador Perez, I think, has the same amount, but he's split between catcher and DH. So um, it's pretty incredible what they've been able to do. And definitely Brandon Belt hurts not having him, and it sucks for him too. He was a home run runs. He would have been the first Giant to get 30 home runs since Barry Bonds, and he's not going to do that. But I think between Lamonte Wade they should be okay and obviously whoever wins this division it's of extreme importance now especially with the cardinals who have won 17 straight at time of recording and you don't want to be facing adam wainwright on a team who is absolutely on fire right now in the first game the cardinals righty hitters are so scary in the top of that order as well i mean uh, I, i still can't believe it i made the biggest goof in my uh, good old fantasy year this year, by giving up the one guy I believed in um, before anybody even knew who he was, which was Tyler O'Neill. Of course, Tyler O'Neill goes off this year after I traded uh, him for Joey Votto in a third round pick. At the time, it didn't seem like that bad of a deal. Now I hate myself. Um, Tyler O'Neill is like my little child that I decided to let off into the real world, and now he's mashing in the real world. So uh, Dodgers don't want to face that guy. Giants don't want to face that guy. You don't want to face Goldschmidt or Arenado. Um, and keep in mind, guys like Carlson, uh, the depth of that lineup is there. Harrison Bader has been incredibly hot lately. Tommy Edmond can be a scary threat in that order. It is a team that is deeper than I think people realize. And yes, Adam Wainwright, uh, we've talked on about him a bunch on this podcast before, but that guy just is a timeless, ageless wonder. Uh, and so to face him in a one-game playoff, I mean, he can go nine innings. He can shut you down in nine innings, and that is frightening. Um, so yeah, the division really matters a ton. I think the Giants end up with it. I think the Dodgers are going to find themselves having a Max Scherzer versus Adam Wainwright primetime wild card game to push them into a matchup against the Giants. Yeah, and for the Giants, Arenado uh, and Goldschmidt, those guys killed the Giants when they were in the division. Arenado has a 900 career OPS against the Giants. The most home runs he's hit against any team are against the Giants, and Goldschmidt with a 934 OPS against the Giants. All right, let's the Phillies are at a point now where I I think there were three and a half out, so I think they have to win tonight mm-hmm. against, I believe they're playing the Braves, to they are. stay alive for that division. Okay, yes. so uh, most likely the Braves are going to win that division, but I guess we should bring it up because it's not totally clinched yet. Yeah, and at the time of recording, uh, bottom to seventh inning, Braves up three to two. So barring some uh, last-second comeback here by Philadelphia, you're going to find that the Phillies – are back by four and a half games. That elimination number would drop to one um, if they do lose. So yeah, basically, I I would say it's virtually over if the Phillies do not win uh, at the time of recording. So by the time you hear this, we will actually probably know um, whether or not the Phillies will even have a shot. Uh, When you look at the rest of the Braves' schedule, uh, you would imagine that they're probably going to secure... Um, at least one more game, of course, because they face the Mets. And it's not like the Mets have been doing anything particularly incredible. Um, and uh, they have nothing really to play for either. So I, I saw a stat with the Mets that they have they led their division for over 100 days, and now they're going to finish with a losing record. They're the first team in MLB history to do that. I saw that as well. And honestly, if there's one team in baseball to do that, it would be the Mets. It just makes way too much sense for the Philadelphia Phillies, though. I will tell you this. Okay, so they do need to have that comeback. Um, And if they do, they need to beat the Braves the next day. And they've got a shot because they have the Marlins to close out the regular season. So you, you can't just count them out. I'm glad we're mentioning them because there is an opportunity MVP Harper probably needs to step up here, though, as we're speaking. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll we'll see what happens here. We might actually update you in the podcast here if uh, we get to that point where we will know. So, But at this time of recording, it looks like the Atlanta Braves are going to edge out the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they look like in the playoffs, too, because they're kind of depleted, but assuming that they do make it. But everybody's been sleeping on them, so who knows. Uh, onto the AL wild card. This is the craziest one and the most exciting, although the Yankees are starting to to pull away with this thing and, and make it look like they're going to for sure be in. Um, outside of that, though, it still is pretty up for grabs. 
First of all, there's a bunch of different tiebreaker scenarios, and I, I don't want to get into all of them, but pretty much just know this. It can get absolutely crazy. And you may be wondering, okay, well, if two teams tie for one spot, we know it goes to three. Well, what happens if three teams tie for one spot? What happens if four teams tie for one spot? Well, the answer to that is it gets very interesting in the, in the terms of it goes down to like head-to-head records between the teams, and then based on who has the better head-to-head records, they basically get to do a draft. And they get to draft spots, which are like they have A, B, C, and D designations or whatever. And pretty much like A plays B, the winner of A and B gets into the playoffs, the loser plays C, and then you can choose whether you want to be, you know, in there if you win, you're in, and then you get two cracks at it because then you get to play C. Or you might just say, no, we're just going to play C because – then we only have to worry about one game, and then we get to play the loser of that who might have just exhausted all their options. In the case. There's a lot of strategy that goes into it, so who knows if we'll get to that, but it's very, very interesting. And looking at the AL wildcard, at least the time of recording, right now the Yankees are up two on the Red Sox for the, sec- for the first. Then the Red Sox own the second wildcard. They're half a game up on Seattle, one game up on Toronto. This is going to be absolutely fantastic to watch over these final five days. You know, and technically the Oakland Athletics, <laughs> they they pretty much have exhausted yeah. their options at this point. But you could make an argument that if they won out and all these other teams lost at the same time, there is a scenario apparently where the A's could actually get in theoretically too. It is nearly impossible. I mean, uh, but never say never. Um, I still don't expect it to happen. Uh, but man, what an opportunity we could have right here to have at least three, possibly four teams make this final week even crazier than it already is. Um, I am so excited, though. I I really cannot see uh, how this doesn't go down to the wire, down to the final day. Uh, The Seattle Mariners, by the way, have just been playing unbelievable baseball. I don't think anybody actually talks about this team. I've been talking about them for years, and I've been wrong about them for years. And this was maybe the first year I didn't really say much about them. Uh, I said I liked the pieces they had, but I didn't see much happening for this season. I did for next year. I I had said next year I could see them being a wildcard team, and uh, I will stick with that word as well. I I feel good about that now. Um, It was kind of the same thing for me as what I said about the White Sox. I jumped the gun on the White Sox way too early, and you know now, of course, they're a really solid team. I think the Seattle Mariners are kind of that next team that's going to be up and coming uh, that could be a threat for years to come based off the young talent that they have uh, in their system. But man, to see what they're doing right now, they're nine and one in their last 10 games. Uh, What's crazy is their run differential heading into the day is minus 50. I mean, they're, they're, they're finding ways to win unexpectedly. Uh, This is one of those teams that kind of reminds me in the national league of of the giants. You know, they, they have a bunch of, you know, misfit tools maybe. And uh, obviously you have guys like Ty France that are really stepping up at the right time. Um, I like the Mariners, man. I really want to see that team in the wild card game. Uh, they're a true, true wild team when it comes down to it that could maybe shake up uh, the postseason unexpectedly. Who knows what the Mariners can do? Their pitching is maybe not the greatest on paper, but on any given day, Marco Gonzalez can go out there and give you a, a pretty decent start. Um, you saw Tyler Anderson go out there, you know, on like two days rest. I mean, what in the world that was? I, I've never seen that before in the regular season. Uh, that was bizarre, but. This team offensively, uh, they could put up runs. Mitch Hanniger's having a great year. Cal Poly represent right there. Um, I, I I don't know. It, it's really crazy because if you talked to me about this two weeks ago, I would have said that the playoff wildcard picture in the AL would have been the Toronto Blue Jays probably hosting the New York Yankees is probably what I would have said, um, or the Red Sox. I, I would never have thought that the Mariners – would have actually made the push that they've had. And I got to be honest with you, I I feel like the Mariners are going to find a way. I really feel like they're going to find a way into this thing. The way that they're playing down the stretch is truly, I mean, they're they're kind of on a roll that uh, is being overshadowed by how good the Cardinals have been. Um, I don't know how, how to look at it other than the Mariners are a good team that people need to take seriously right now. And... They close with the Angels, and they will not have to face Shohei Otani on the hill. Uh, that was just announced that Otani will not pitch. So the Mariners have every card they need in front of them to secure this potential wild card spot. Um, 
So I, I feel actually way better about the Mariners than I probably should. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like the Mariners are going to make it into this uh, wild card. And as you mentioned, it, it just feels like the Yankees are going to hold this thing out. Yeah, I, to give you examples of that minus 50 run differential, these are teams with better run differentials. Colorado is a minus 49. The Mets are a minus 35. And uh, the, the Cleveland soon-to-be Guardians are a minus 14. Even Detroit. The Detroit Tigers are minus 54. They're right in that ballpark. So I don't even know. But, I, hey, if you can specialize winning in close games and you have that uh, specialty for a season, that's the beauty of baseball, you know. Even in a 162-game sample, sometimes you can – like, I don't want to use the word luck or fluky because, you know, there is, like, a, a real-life element of this that does matter. And and I don't want to make it just sound like, oh, the run differential is the only thing that matters. Right, it doesn't. right. Um, but it's just, it's very interesting. And I think that's one of the coolest things about this sport that people size to have long term differentials and effects of that over the season. But it's still, even in 162 games, you can have a situation and a story like that. And it's really cool for the Mariners. And you mentioned uh, next year, who knows what they could look like with all the young guys, but also it seems like they could be in line for a big off season in terms of spending because they know they're going to have a bunch of young guys who are on cheap contracts. And then all of a sudden they say, well, let's take advantage of that for this little two, three-year window. Spend right. big. Go get a Nelson Cruz. Go get uh, whoever uh, that you can kind of bolster the lineup, bolster the pitching staff with. I'm excited to see this team moving forward. I'm not expecting them to make postseason, although they're hot right now. And I would actually – like that's that's what – what I want to happen is I'd, I'd want to see the Blue Jays and the Mariners, but I that's probably off the table at this point. That would be um, awesome. <laughs> so, hey, give me one of the Blue Jays or Mariners, and, and I'll be happy enough with that. Okay. Who? Let's who starts? Who starts Ooh. for the Mariners in that one game playoff? I mean, I would almost be tempted to. You mentioned Marco Gonzalez. He's probably the guy, but I would be very tempted to use Marco Gonzalez one time through the order, maybe twice, and then bring in Tyler Anderson for, you know, one time through the order. Bring in Logan Gilbert out of the bullpen. I, I don't know. I would kind of piece it together, to be completely honest, because I don't view anybody on that team as being like, oh, here's Max Scherzer. Just let him roll out and throw seven, eight innings. It's a very interesting team. And, and another name to throw out there, just because he's so hot and cold, as you say, Kikuchi. On any yeah. given day, Kikuchi can go out there and strike all your guys. I mean, he actually well, has... He might, some... be a great, he might be a great kind of Julio Urias from last yeah. year's postseason yeah. because of the fact that he does have that strikeout ability. He can hit high heat. You bring him in for just an inning or two. It's a, it's a very intriguing team. Maybe the most intriguing player on this team, uh, known as Corey's brother. That's Kyle Seager. Uh, he has had a 30 home run season and a hundred yeah, RBI yeah. season, and he's not owned in our own fantasy league. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty remarkable that this guy has had the prototypical, like all-star type season numbers in that sense, but because his average is so low and because his numbers are just so fluctuating up and down, I that's why he's not owned. But it's hilarious to me that he's had a, actually a really good year uh, yeah. in terms of like the power numbers and 100 RBIs. Like I don't care what average you have, that is you do not just snoot away from that. That is impressive. So yeah, Kyle Seager putting together a weirdly impressive year. Yeah, Kyle Seager has been really good. And to be clear, if we were in like a standard five by five league, he probably would be owned just because. Home runs and RBI at that point would be two-fifths of the categories. Instead, we have nine, so it's only two-ninths, so you're going to look for more well-rounded players. All right, let's get on to our World Series shooters. The shooter I had last week of uh, or two weeks ago of the Texas Moonshine was not good. This will hopefully be better. <laughs> Dusty, what is your World Series prediction as we're now a week away from the postseason? Well, I just want to take you to the towns that have been very successful over the last couple of years here. That would be Tampa Bay. Uh, or as I should say, Tampa Bay. Um, of course, you had Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. I know that hurts you, Derek. Maybe, you know, cover your ears. Um, and then you also obviously had the Lightning uh, win in Tampa Bay. Well, the Rays were going to be that trifecta. The Dodgers ended that. Um, I could see the Rays going back. And I didn't really see this being my pick uh, however many weeks ago. I've been sticking with the White Sox for a while. But because of the Tim Anderson situation, because Eloy Jimenez is not hitting particularly well right now, um, Luis Roberts really the only one truly producing consistently for that lineup. Andrew Vaughn's hurt. Uh, and the pitching hasn't been as great the last couple weeks. 
Um, I, I actually am kind of leading towards the Rays, making it to the World Series. In the National League, this is just the hardest pick for me because I think there's legitimately four, uh, four of the five potential teams could all make it to and win the World Series. That would be the Giants, the Dodgers. I think the Cardinals could actually do that. I think the Cardinals are good enough to do that now. Uh, this run has proven enough to me that they're legit. But I'm going to go with the Brewers. Um, I think the Brewers' rotation is absolutely filthy, and also the way that they're stacked up. So they're going to face a Braves team that I really don't think is a great playoff team. Um, obviously, they don't have Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, they don't have Marcelo Zuna. And, you know, the lineup is still impressive. That infield is putting together an unbelievable year. But consistency and learning how to win games in the bullpen, the Braves have had so many issues with that. Outside of Max Freed, um, there's been some inconsistencies in the rotation. Uh, I actually just think the Brewers are going to roll right through the Braves, to be honest with you. Uh, I could see them sweep them, move to the NLCS, and then especially if the Dodgers and Giants go five, or if the Cardinals and Giants go five, or magically if the Giants go to the wild card game, face the Cardinals and lose the Cardinals. I don't see that happening, but let's just say it does. Uh, and Dodgers Cardinals goes five. I, I think those three teams are going to beat each other up in some way, shape or form. And the Brewers are going to go in clean arms, healthy arms, rested arms. And it could be detrimental to the team that has to go up against them in the NLCS. It's hard to say because I think the Giants and Dodgers both offensively are clear cut favorites in that department over the Brewers. But I'm not so sure when you go into rest and you go into an emotional series like what you would expect, especially from the Dodgers and Giants. I I'm going to take the Brewers. Uh, I think it's going to be the Brewers facing the Rays. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I think I think the Rays have the pieces to win the World Series this year. Um, I'm going to go with the Rays. So I'm going to go with Dodgers-Astros as a replay there. It it's funny. You mentioned how every team in the NL can win it, and, and I agree with you. I You didn't throw in the Braves, though. I actually would because I still like the rotation. Like, Max Freed has been really, really good. He has been really good. Two months of the season. Charlie Morton, we know what he does in the postseason. Um, even guys like Huascari Noah has been solid this season, and, and maybe he gets flexed down to the bullpen role. Or um, I'm trying to think of their their other starters right now. Tuki Toussaint they've had go, and then they have uh, no. I'm thinking of I'm sorry. Drew Smiley is going to be a perfect weapon that they can use in the bullpen in shorter roles, which is how the Giants used him last year when he had his best season. And the guy I was forgetting, I don't know how I forgot this. Ian Anderson, yeah. Yeah. a really good postseason. Yeah. I mean that's a, that's a good little staff, and we know even without Acuna, the lineup is still really good. So I, I still could see any of those NL teams making it. It's funny, in the AL, uh, the only teams I can't see making it to the World Series are, I don't know why, I've just been in this like uh, brain fog with uh, the Chicago White Sox. They haven't played well of late. They've been hovering around a 500 team over the last month or so. And I don't know. I just feel like something's up there that it's not all clicking at the right time. And I don't really see the Red Sox either. They've kind of faded off in the second half. Anybody else I can see coming out of the AL, but I'm going to go with the Astros. I, I don't love the fact that for the Rays, they could potentially be having to face the Yankees, uh, a divisional opponent in the first round, and I view that as kind of a toss-up. The Astros, because I just feel off about the White Sox, I view that as an easier road to the ALCS, so I'm just going to take kind of the percentage play there, but I also, the Astros have such a deep pitching staff, and that's going to allow them to use guys in different roles in the postseason and uh, be able to have flexibility there, and they still have a really good lineup, especially kind of one through seven in the order. And then the Dodgers, they're just still so deep. I think, for me, what changed it, I didn't have the Dodgers going back to the World Series really all season long in the preseason. It's just so hard to go back. It's so hard to repeat. What changed it for me has been Max Scherzer, and not just the trade of getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, but how well Max Scherzer has pitched. I almost feel like every game he is going to pitch in the playoffs is just like an automatic win for the Dodgers. And if you're talking about that lineup, the rest of the staff, and you're just basically starting up 1-0 in every series, that seems automatic to me that they go back to the World Series. And then the winner of that World Series will get first dibs on signing the two premier shortstops and Corey Seager and Carlos Correa. It'll be uh, – <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because, yeah, this offseason is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, but even before we get to that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the the crazy thing about this is 
there are so many teams this year that I actually really think can make it. I, I've not felt like that in a long time. Usually you can narrow it down to about three or four teams that you feel pretty confident in. I'm not really confident in anybody this year, if we're being completely honest. This is this is more of a toss-up than I've seen in a while, and it's good for the game. Uh, and I mentioned, you know, for that matchup for the Brewers versus the Rays, uh, the Bucks, the, the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals, right? So there are two Bucks that have won championships. I don't even think anybody's ever brought that to attention at all. I, I've never heard somebody say that, and I don't know why we haven't noticed that. But the Bucks, the Buccaneers, both Bucks have won and that's Tampa Bay versus Milwaukee. So maybe we just have to have a face-off here and have the Brewers face the Rays for who's the best sports city, uh, small market. In, in, in let's be honest, Tampa Bay is not a small market. People want to make it out to be. It is not a small market at all. It's just the Tampa Bay Rays choose, their fan base chooses to act like a small market. Tampa is actually the number 11 ranked DMA market in the country. So I don't know why that's always a storyline. It is bizarre to me. I don't know who decided that's a, you know, that that's the concept of that. Um, it's just that the Rays act like a small market club because they decide not to spend money, yet still it works out in their favor. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I want a Bucks versus Bucks matchup. I want to decide who's the best sports city in America. Uh, give me Milwaukee or Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our next segment. Surprise me, bartender, which is a random player that breaks out in the playoffs. We've seen this so much from Daniel Murphy. And, and you know, in certain cases, like Daniel Murphy, that's not totally random. He's a good player, but... In the playoffs, he became, like, the best player, right? Julio Urias last year and in, in filling into a different role and then closes out uh, final game six of the World Series. David Freeze, Carlos Beltran, Cody Ross, Howie Kendrick for the Nationals, Steve Pierce for the Red Sox a couple years ago. So, so many guys, and, and you could name even more and more. So, we're going to divvy this up. Uh, you're going to give, like, a surprise pick, you think, for AL and NL pitchers and hitters. I'll let you start this off. Yeah, uh, for the AL, um, and, and this one may be, out of my picks, I would say the least surprising, um, but I had to have a young guy involved in this. And so uh, you saw with the Rays way back in 2008 when David Price, uh, obviously a top prospect for the Rays, came up, and he made a significant impact for the Rays. I'm seeing a revolution again for the Rays. They're going to need some help. Uh, remember, this team is so good, and they still don't have their best pitcher on the roster because Tyler Glass now uh, is out for the season and for next year as well. Uh, Shane Baz is the guy that I'm expecting is going to step up. He looked good in his debut. He's he's looked pretty solid. He's got fiery stuff. I mean, this guy's got put-away stuff. I, I'm guessing that he's got the kind of uh, ice in his veins that he has put-away uh, in Kind of the Adam Wainwright role, if you will, uh, back when he helped the Cardinals win the World Series. Um, you know, I, to me, I just kind of see Baz in that role uh, where the Rays are going to use him wherever they need to. They have a fiery right-handed arm, and, and Baz will deliver. I, I really like him. I think he could step up in a big way. Uh, he was just called up, and uh, watch him be an impact. As for the National League pitcher, I'm going to look at the Giants, and a lot of people are going to talk about, you know, how Kevin Gosman has had a great year. Logan Webb has had a great year. Alex Woods had a pretty decent year as well. I know he's fallen off a little bit compared to what he started out as, but if you saw the postseason run that Alex Wood had last year, I I, I mean, the guy has shown that he could be clutch when it matters most. And uh, he helped the Dodgers in 2017 as well, and people seem to forget that. Uh, he was an all-star. Uh, I think that the veteran leadership almost that he has and the fact that he's been there uh, with a roster that honestly hasn't been there, right? Like most of the Giants roster outside of Chris Bryant, obviously, uh, hasn't been there. And I think Alex Wood in the rotation, um, whatever the Giants decide to do using him, I think he can be a weapon. And uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see his role. I mean, it looks like he'll be a starting pitcher. Uh, but for a DS, who knows? I mean, who knows what they're going to do? The Giants can always sneak you. Uh, Farhan is a, an interesting fella, and so is Gabe. So you just never know what you're going to get, even when you think you do. Alex Wood, I think, is a weapon uh, for the Giants. Then you have the AL hitter. Uh, this one is a little bit off the cuff. And I, to be honest, I didn't feel great about it. But at the same time, when you look at his numbers, Cesar Hernandez is not having a terrible year. Um, he is the second baseman for the White Sox. Of course, he played for uh, the Cleveland Indians, so he moved over in the division as well. 
But with the White Sox in his age, you know, 31 season, his average might be a little bit low, but he actually was doing all right with the White Sox early on. Uh, but his home run total is what's intriguing to me. With the Cleveland Indians, he had 18 bombs. Uh, that's the kind of guy that steps up and hits, you know, the clutch home run when you need it the most. You're not going to get him on base constantly, right? But if you are the White Sox or you're facing the White Sox, would you rather Cesar Hernandez or Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez? Who who do you want them? Who do you want to beat you? You, you want Cesar Hernandez too. So considering they have him at the top of the order, I think just based off the fact that you don't want those other three guys I mentioned to beat you, he's going to see better pitches and. Uh, the roles may be reversed a little bit here, and uh, all pitchers will be attacking Hernandez. Well, consequently, I could see Hernandez being more of a threat than people realize. Uh, the numbers wouldn't support it necessarily, but this guy's got more pop than you realize. And while I don't expect the on-base percentage to be high, I could see the clutch hits being higher just simply because... He's going to be attacked way more than those other three I mentioned. And then finally, for the NL hitter, uh, Eduardo Escobar is intriguing to me. Um, he's had a very interesting year in 2021. Uh, remember, this guy has played for the Diamondbacks. He hasn't had a lot of attention, uh, but he's had 35 home run seasons in 2019. He had 28 bombs this regular season as well. His average hovers around 250, uh, slugging percentage around 465. But, you know, it's kind of a similar situation to what I just mentioned with the White Sox. You're not going to get yet let Yelich beat you. You're not going to let Adamas beat you. Uh, at the end of the day, you might see Escobar getting better pitches to hit. And that's usually, those are usually the guys that step up in the clutch. Escobar's never been in this situation. Um, he really has not found uh, a time in which he, he's had to come up clutch. So maybe that's a bit of a drawback. Uh, but this guy's got pop and, you know, you hover around the plate against him and he's going to cause damage. So I'm curious to see what he can do in the postseason. Okay, so I'll start with my AL pitcher. I'm going to go with Luis Garcia, the youngster for the Houston Astros, who in his first full year at the big leagues has been astounding for them. He can really command both sides of the zone. He's got kind of a funky motion. He stays in rhythm. He's fun to watch. Uh, he does like a little cha-cha dance every time he pitches. It's, it's kind of fun to watch. But he, he's been really good. And on top of it, if you remember last year, he came up for the first time as a rookie. He pitched in five games in that shortened season a year ago. And it was like, okay, this guy was coming up from like A ball. He barely pitched. And then all of a sudden the Astros were at a point where they had to use him in the postseason to start a game. And he started a game as a young rookie who was previously in A ball. And they didn't use him for a full start. They only used him as kind of an opener in the first two innings. But he got two innings of shutout ball. And just to get through that, like, you have to have ice water in your veins. So I really like Luis Garcia. And obviously I have the Astros moving on to the uh, World Series, which obviously indicates to me that I think he could have a big postseason and could be a big part of a team having a lot of success. So I really like him. Um, the other one I'm going to go with for the NL is... Luis Garcia. And you may be wondering, what? What are you talking about? There's another Luis Garcia. And I want the monopoly on all the Luis Garcias. Uh, Luis Garcia is, on the NL side, a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is a relief pitcher for the Cardinals who uses a lot of sliders. And um, he has just been really, really good with... Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. And he's a guy that didn't come up till July, a guy who had been kind of a journeyman. He's a 34 year old. He had spent a bunch of time with the Philadelphia Phillies. He had spent a little bit of time with the angels and the Texas Rangers. And then he comes up and he is in the 99th percentile in fastball velocity. And he's 34 years old. And now he is one of the most reliable relief pitchers for the St. Louis Cardinals. They have a really good bullpen. Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes, Luis Garcia as well, he could be one of those breakout bullpen arms that we hear about a lot because of the story of just him coming up and being this journeyman and having this breakout year. So I'll go with Luis Garcia times two over there's there. Something, there's something about you and the Miami Marlins starting pitchers as well as 
the names that correspond. So Derek earlier this year in fantasy baseball, he wanted to have monopoly on the T Rogerses of the world. Yes. So he wanted, he wanted Trevor Rogers, Tyler Rogers and Taylor Rogers all on his team. And he almost got that as well. I actually think, yeah. I think I have it. I think on my roster, I have you all do. the Rogers. You took my idea and stole it. So I, <laughs> I have all the Rogers. That's kind of awesome. So now, now Derek has to move on. And so clearly the Garcias of the world, that's the next one. Looks like you're going to have to get Leary Garcia too, uh, just to add to the Luis Garcias too. So ha- have fun with that next year. Okay. I don't really want Leary Garcia. But anyway, <laughs> uh, AL hitter, uh, I'll go with Manny Margot who, if you remember, I don't know if this one counts because he was in the postseason last year and, and played really well in the postseason this one counts. for the Tampa Bay Rays. So, I mean, you know, it's not total surprising because of the fact he did that, but he hasn't been, like, a great player. He's, like, hovering around a 700 OPS. He's a solid defender. He brings some speed to the lineup. But, again, in the postseason last year, like in the World Series, he had a uh, 316 average. In the ALCS, he had a 998 OPS he totaled an 895 OPS of the, over the course of their 19 games that he appeared in for the Rays in the postseason last year. He's going to play a lot because of the defense. He's shown that he can clutch up, and I really like what Manny Margot can bring to this Rays lineup. And when you're looking at guys who maybe don't, you know, if Wander Franco comes out and does really well, or um, Brandon Lau, like it's not necessarily a surprise. So Manny Margot, I'll go with him. And then for the NL, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit. Uh, any Giants hitter would be a good one because, I mean, outside of like Buster Posey or Brandon Crawford, if I have to choose one, I'll just choose who's becoming one of my new faves, which is Lamonte Wade. I like huh. him. He's been really good in the clutch this year. He's um, but if so I have to go with, Yeah. If I, if I have to go with a non-blanket statement of the Giants hitters, I'll go over to Rowdy Tellez, who's been really good hitting a lot of home runs for the Brewers after they got him for cheap when he was spending time in the minors for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. All right. We only got time for our shotgun six-pack. So first up in the shotgun six-pack, true or false, if this was 20 years ago, Julio Urias would be the Cy Young frontrunner right now after he now has a league-leading 19 wins. I would say true because wins mattered more back then. Uh, it seems like we, you know, we went from saying wins matter to wins don't matter at all. We need to find a little bit of a middle ground uh, <clears throat> because I was on that train of wins don't matter that much. But the season that Arias is having is really remarkable, actually. And uh, it looks like he's going to potentially be a 20-game winner. And that's very rare nowadays considering pitchers aren't going deep in games. Uh, and that's why I think the value of wins has dropped off, too, is just simply because we, we don't really value uh, the deep games that pitchers go in anymore. I mean, pitchers are pulled a lot earlier. Bullpens are used. The usage is higher. Uh, we've had openers more frequently. And so you don't see... 20 game winners ever really. And, and and that's, what's remarkable. If I'm not mistaken in our 2019 season, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think was like the league leader or close to that in the American league. Like, uh, but Julio Rios definitely would be a Cy Young winner. Yes. True. I don't even know if we have to go 20 years back. I think we could probably go like 10. Remember when Rick Porcello won it? Porcello. He had like three ZRA with, yep. I think he led the league in wins. So yeah, he would win it. Uh, number two, another true or false Salvador Perez, who hit his, 48th home run tonight, which is a league leader, at least the time of recording. I don't know if he hit another one. And that also gives him the, or at least ties him for the Royals franchise record. He should finish top five in MVP voting, despite the Royals not being very good. Oh yeah, absolutely. This season's been unbelievable for Salvi Perez. That was a 439 foot bomb, by the way. This guy is not just like hitting it out of the park. He's crushing it. It was a smoke to dead center field that went to like, I think over the the bottom porch. It was, it's crazy how much power that guy has. Uh, This guy has been just revolutionary this season. It's a shame that the Royals don't have a better team because Salvi Perez is the kind of guy that deserves to be in the postseason year in, year out. Um, and man, what a year that that guy has had. Uh, I, I really love watching what he's been able to uh, accomplish this year. He definitely, I'm going to say, you know, there should be Shohei Otani, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Then Salvi. That, that's where I want to see it. Yeah. The framing numbers are always brought up that he's not good defensively. He does have a rocket on those guys out on the bases. And I don't know why we, we I, I guess with catchers, they do impact the game more defensively than other positions because they're receiving it. I still care way more about the hitting than I do the fielding, and he has been unbelievable. So, yes, he should. And I could see him finishing as high as number three behind 
Vladdy and Otani. All right, number three, there are four sub-60 win teams, at least at the time of recording, Pittsburgh, Texas, Baltimore, and Arizona. If you have to pick one of them to make the playoffs or at least be in contention as soon as next season, who are you going with? I would go with Texas. Um, I think Texas actually has some pretty fun pieces to work with. Um, I I don't know where some of these guys came from, but Andy Abanez, this guy just is an on base machine. Like he, I picked him up in fantasy baseball, not expecting much, and this dude just gets on base, gets two hits a game. I don't understand. I I knew nothing about him. Um, and and they have these pieces like Nick Solak, Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, you know, obviously they had, uh, one of the top picks this year. Uh, I don't expect, uh, you know, to see, you know, that, that improve this team, this upcoming season. But, um, for me to see what the Rangers have on the roster right now in a division, that's not going to be that great. That could potentially be losing a Carlos Correa. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll pick the Rangers in that group. I agree. It's it's the Rangers with Baltimore and Arizona, too tough of divisions. Pittsburgh just isn't close to being ready uh, for that. And then with Texas, you also have the added, like of of those four teams, who's most likely to spend in the offseason? It would be the Texas Rangers. Uh, number four, your worry level for Mike Trout's injury issues next year are blank on a scale of one to ten. Scale of one to ten, where ten is the highest. I, I would uh, say five prob- is the highest, ten is the lowest, one is <laughs> somewhere else. I don't know. Probably like five point two. Now, um, <laughs> I will say it's an eight. Um, and I actually traded him in fantasy baseball this season because I've been sick and tired of this. Like I've been super tired of this. Uh, I won a fantasy championship in 2019, and it was no thanks to Mike Trout. And and I love Mike Trout. You as should a write him a strongly worded letter. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm sure he cares so much about how yeah. my fantasy team does. I'm sure he really, really cares. But you know, Mike Trout has not been healthy, and it just feels like over the last th- four seasons or so that he's constantly rested in September because the Angels aren't relevant and because his production is down in the month of September for whatever reason. Usually, probably I would guess motivation or injury. And uh, we've kind of seen it all with him. And so that's been a big frustration point for me. Um, And he's getting older. I don't think people realize, but like Mike Trout is not young anymore. Um, There comes a point in time to where, you know, players pass their prime. And Mike Trout is a special rare breed where I don't think his prime really matters. But I do think his health is just a massive concern for me. He's going to go into his age 31 season. And he hasn't been healthy the last two years. And, you know, the fact that we thought he was going to be back by maybe August this year, and the fact that every week it was the same report of still not feeling good, still not feeling good, still not feeling good. I mean, this could be a lingering injury, if we're being honest. And that really sucks because he's the best player that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, And so, I I mean, I sure hope I'm, I'm incorrect about how the injury history will translate moving forward. But yeah, my, my level of concern is at an eight right now. I would say it's at a six teetering on being bad. It's just weird that this injury you don't deem to be that bad of one kept them out all year. So I don't know what's up with that. All right. Number five, true or false. There should be a rule that if the first wild card finishes double digit games on the second wild card, you get some sort of in-game advantage. Yeah. I, I think, uh, Honestly, I wouldn't mind if the first wild card just has an in-game advantage regardless of the overall record. Um, one thing that I saw on, on Twitter that was kind of interesting, uh, thanks to Blake Harris, uh, if you gave the wild card one seed, they need only one win to advance. Mm-hmm. But the wild card two seed needs two wins to advance. So kind of like what you see in the College World Series in a way. Uh, where it's like you get a loss, it's double elimination. It would be double elimination for the one seed versus single elimination for the two seed. I wouldn't mind that. I, I think that that's a pretty fair outcome. And and I mean, this season, the funny thing is, is you're seeing polar opposites in the AL and NL because it would make sense for, you know, what the Dodgers have dealt with. And I mean, a 101-win team as the uh, at the time of recording versus a Cardinals team that's been on fire, but... Obviously, it's not going to put up even close to that total number of wins. 
Dodgers could still go in one one game. But then you have the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Mariners and the Blue Jays that are all going to probably be within a game or two or so. And, you know, how much more deserving are you if you have a two games better record, right? So it, it is interesting. I, I like the idea. Um, I think combine those two, make a double elimination, some concept. Wouldn't mind that. What about you? Yeah, I, I really like that idea. Um, I don't know. How about you get to start with a runner on third base every inning? That'd be interesting. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe something. But it, it stinks like if – what if they have like a one-game difference in record? I don't think you deserve it then. It's just in certain situations, that's, what's make it, that's what makes it hard. You'd have to set an arbitrary end point. To be like, oh, if you're nine games up on somebody, then, right. you know, and that, that's just kind of silly. So uh, it probably won't happen. All right, number six, teams should start writing into players' contracts a clause about not punching things <laughs> after Kevin Williams punched something after he was drunk and angry. And now he's probably going to miss the rest of the season as he gets surgery. We saw this earlier in the year with Jesus Lazardo. Okay, first of all, what was he angry about? Because they were celebrating the division. So did somebody come up to him and say, you were not the reason why we won the division? I mean, how do you get angry during your post-clinch <laughs> celebration? I, I just don't understand. The funny thing about this is nobody is disclosing what the problem was. I'm very curious about that. But yes, I, I mean, we've seen players self-inflict injuries on themselves a bunch. Um, do you remember when Ken Giles punched himself in the face, by the way? That is that is always one of my absolute favorite ones to draw back to. I loved when that happened. Um, but yeah, players do some stupid things. Um, you know, I wouldn't I obviously wouldn't punish a player if there's some accidental injury. Uh one that comes to mind immediately. Do you remember Clint Barnes of the uh the Colorado Rockies, the shortstop yeah. back in the day? So Clint Barmus or Barms, I can never remember. I think it's Barmus. Um he was walking down a flight of stairs. It's probably the funniest story I've ever heard. He was walking down a flight of stairs, and then I, I don't remember if he just injured his leg or, like, pulled something, like, pulled a hammy or something, but he, like, fell, and it was because he carried a plate of hot bacon. That's, that's, that's why he fell. And so he was, on, he was put on the IL because of that, uh, or at that time it was on the DL. Um, but so that, obviously, that's not a punishable offense, right? But if you're punching walls because you're angry, because you're just, I don't know, I don't understand that. Yeah, there, there should be written in a contract that you cannot cause self-harm or self-damage. Uh, that's pretty bad. I can't remember what it was, but I know Salvador Perez had a really bad injury from, like, dropping a suitcase on his foot or something <laughs> like that. That's right. I think he broke his foot from that. All right. Uh, any final notes before we go here? Yes. Um, so we had talked about the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. At the time of recording, top of the eighth inning, the Braves had themselves a 7-2 to two lead. Mm -hmm. It is looking like the Atlanta Braves will be winning the division, and the Philadelphia Phillies, with who should be the MVP candidate, in my opinion, Bryce Harper, will probably be going home, uh, being sent to a one-game potential elimination. Okay, I also want to add to that that the Toronto Blue Jays have defeated the New York Yankees, so... That thing's tightened up, and the Blue Jays now have Robbie Ray pitching tomorrow, and they finish up with the Baltimore Orioles. So things could get interesting. Maybe it isn't just uh, so for sure for the Yankees now anymore. All right, closing time here. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on social media at Booze and Baseball. You can email us, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to suggest some alcohol to review. Thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Thank you to Man Cave Merch for our coasters. If you'd like to purchase a coaster, use BNB15, that's BNB15, to get 15% off your order with Man Cave Merch. Drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Later.